Welcome to Multiverse with Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we're interviewing... Greg. Hi. Is that where I was supposed to say hello? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hi. Cool. We're, we're very loose here. And now is it Sheagle or Sheigle? It is Sheagle. Rhymes with eagle, beagle, legal, any of those various uh, sounds. So getting Sheagle with it? Sure. I've heard, it, I've heard it before It won't be the last time I'm sure Although that song is pretty old at this point Yeah but you know Dance floor pro I know you know Sure of course I do <laughs> Gotta get jiggy with it It's my favorite <laughs> Well it's like how for a while my uh, business card said Luke here it is Right And they'd be like how do you pronounce it And it's like you know like whoop there it is Sure a perfect rhyme Luke and whoop <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, right now, everything you're putting down, I'm picking up. I'm good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm yeah. glad to hear it. It's good to have that uh, positive pick up and put down. <laughs> That's right. You got to have the positive pick up and put down. The PPPD. Yes. I missed a U in there. There's a pick up. It's a. <laughs> I lost it. Forget it. Huh. Yeah. The pup D. Exactly. But yeah, we're here to sort of talk about some of your experiences uh writing comics uh illustrating comics and even editing comics including one of the uh series that we had some opinions and some hard time getting that gonna be is that gonna be avengers forever (laughs) sure yeah i understand that that's fair yeah like we're both i don't want to say younger readers because now there's like people who could have started reading 10 years from like this point who are even younger and are doing podcasts and stuff was like that feels like it was made for a very certain sector of comic readers and like i devin and i i don't think either of us have affinity for like rick jones or for a lot of the continuity stuff that's going on in there so it's like oh there's this really great team up stuff and then it's also like Oh, and here's four issues of retcons for stuff that we've never touched at all. Yeah, um, I mean, I I'll, I can do what I can, but I will tell you this. Uh, even me, as the assistant editor, couldn't follow most of it. And I don't think I've, I've... I can honestly say I'm not sure I read it all the way through. <laughs> I read through it like three times because I had to take notes uh, on that. My, my job was to assist and edit it, so I mostly worked with uh, Carlos Pacheco and... and uh, I would sort of at a certain that's what it was at a certain point I stopped reading the the, the plots and I would just wait for the art to show up mm-hmm. I go oh that looks awesome whatever's happening right there looks pretty sweet <laughs> which is fair the art did look awesome <laughs> yeah oh yeah. yeah so like in that regard I, I could follow it completely uh, but yeah I, I couldn't tell you like all that stuff with Kang and whoever he actually was and got re like there's that one cover where what is it Immortus has Human Torch and and vision and there's like some something with those two couldn't yeah. I, have no, I don't yeah. know i don't know what to tell you about that i'm sorry it was something where like the vision was actually a clone of the human the original android human torch we've we've got like two episodes on it because i think we couldn't fit it yeah. all into one yeah i broke it up on two six issues yeah, yeah I, I mostly remember enjoying the the game of like figuring out who was going to be who on the teams? Who's going to? Who are the future Avengers? Those kinds of things. That's that's where I remember those conversations being entertaining. 
Yeah, that weird, fun, yeah. alternate universe stuff. And, like, that is that is our jam here. Like, we've got our trials right. of the multiverse list. We're, we're ranking every alternate universe. And, I mean, you've got some high-ranking I know, I'm, stuff. I'm pretty excited. I mean, the the last one I remember hearing was the uh, the the Darth Venom. Got got a nice high-ranking, that one sketch from Heroes Con, where oh, we yes met. Oh, it did. Yeah, that is holding strong at, like, number 18, and then, like... Under it at nine, uh, under it at number twenty is uh, the Tony Stark Sorcerer right. Supreme that you did. Which yeah, that was a fantastic. And issue. then thanks, my my second yeah. uh, professional comic book job. Oh, very nice. What was your first one? My first one, uh, which is another reason I think we're we're all gathered here today, is uh, what if number one hundred four, starring the Silver Surfer and the Impossible yeah. Man. Yeah, and we're going to be covering that one. Uh, next week, but we also have the uh, Secret Wars 25 Years Later, which is number 241 on our list, which isn't bad considering we're at like four, yeah, we're at like 436, and the stuff doesn't start to become really bad until like the 390, uh, right. 350s. A middle middle of the pack's not too bad, all things considered. Yeah, no. that was another exciting thing about Avengers Forever was. In the last issue, or the second to last issue, uh, Carlos threw in a couple of the kids from that "What If." They're in the in the big giant super mega fight scene. They're mm-hmm. scattered in there. Yeah. So that was that was that was a very exciting moment to see them show up on those pages. Yeah, I can definitely get that because it's. Uh, I know uh, I read X Babies that you wrote today. Oh boy. Yeah. Two thousand nine. Yeah, and it's like it's great to see some of these old characters who, like, people forget that they exist, showing back up, or like getting reinvented in good ways. Uh, yeah, I mean that that uh, yeah, X Babies. That's a book. It's only available on Marvel Limited, right? Because that thing's way out of print for a long time. Yeah. It's yeah. A shame. And it's it's not even sold on Marvel Unlimited. So it's like you have to have that. Yeah, yeah, you can't get it. it on Comicsology or anything. It's 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 a little annoying because bias being my own, I think it's pretty good and I'm pretty proud of it. And I think Jacob did such a great job oh. drawing the thing that that it's not available. It's very frustrating. Oh yeah, no, it is like really fun, and I know there's like a few people who've like had avatars from that series. Yeah. Like, uh, the guy who edits the, uh, comics for the AV Club has had that baby yeah, dude Oliver from the Sava, series. right? Yes. And, uh, like, our friend, uh, Xavier Files, for a while, apparently used to use the, uh, baby magic. Sure, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, Avatar. Now, Jacob, Jacob, for that whole sequence in X-Babies, and, and for people who haven't read it, uh, I'd say go check it out. I won't spoil too much, unless we want to just spoil everything, but... There was this the the bit was that they were baby versions of the X babies, and uh, Jacob decided that he was going to draw every X character that had ever been, and then we went nuts because as soon as he was on board to do that, then it was then it was sort of like game over. Let's let's go crazy. So then you get a baby dupe and the X yeah. statics. Yeah, it was fun. That was a good book. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a lot of fun, and you brought back in, like, characters who I wasn't aware of, because it was like, if I had known about Planetary, he would have shown up in the uh, Exiled podcast that we did that was a uh, weird space adventure. Yeah, Planetary, Royal Roy, uh, Cop Dog, and Wally Cop the Dog. Wizard. 
They all, they all. When I when I pitched it, the the X Babies thing. So X Babies came out of a pitch for Spider Ham that didn't get picked up because somebody else was trying to do something with Spider Ham at the time. So we were said we were asked, you know, if you have something with the X Babies, let us know. And uh, my original idea for X Babies was that was that there was a woman in upstate New York whose mutant power was she had babies that looked like the X Men. Uh, and then a friend mm-hmm. of mine said, if you actually want this thing to get sold, you're going to have to like, come up with an actual story that's going to work, not some crazy old woman who lives in a shoe having ex-babies <laughs> concept. Uh, and then and then I hit upon this idea of the star characters and and their their connection to the ex-babies and was off to the races. When I pitched it, the editor who I pitched it to also was not aware of the star characters and thought I had made them all up. <laughs> Uh, and then I had to say, like, no, 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 I didn't make them up. Before you go into that pitch meeting, uh, know that, that these things all exist so you don't look like a dum-dum. <laughs> yeah, because it was like, oh, like, Planetary seems like a retro character. And then it's like, oh, and he also did, and, like, Greg also wrote this uh, fake backup issue. And it's like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the back thing. issues are real. It was, a, it was a line of comics. I think it was 85 is when they came out. Uh uh, 84 through like 85 for most yeah. of them. So I definitely remember them coming out, uh, reading a few of them. I think I liked them more as an adult than I did when I was uh, 10 or 11. But that's me. And like that's where Spider-Ham had his like first main series, which is also a shame because those books are like super out of print now. Oh yeah, of course they are. A book that would sell to any audience at any time, anywhere, why would that be in print? That's crazy. <laughs> Especially because they've been, like, putting so much, uh, like, impetus on Spider-Ham coming back now with the uh, Spider-Verse and all Spider-Ham that Spider-Ham sort of showed stuff. up in, in, I think, the cartoon, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. This is a thing that appeals to people. You've got, uh, he was also in, like, the Edge of Spider-Verse, like... Spin-off yeah, series. Yeah, that's the one. People. So, like, people want Spider-Ham. He's even in the uh, Marvel uh, app game, the, uh, like, weird high school alternate universe. I mean, he's also, you know, sort of a jokey character, so maybe there's there's some resistance to having him there. And and those comics, they're, they're not the greatest. They're just a lot of puns. But still, people, people like him. Kids like him. It's funny animals. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it sells... Why not? That's mm-hmm. the question. I, I don't get why they don't try and do like more all ages digital stuff, because they do have this big backlog of books that it's like, oh yeah, like even if you you don't need to worry about sales numbers, it's like if five hundred people are going to buy this comic, that pretty much takes care of the production costs for like digitizing. I guess this there's stuff. a question as to how much of the kid audience is actually reading digitally and that that i think is a a valid question because Mm -hmm. i do kids comics and for the most part they're reading they want a book they want a a thing that's theirs that they can carry around and take to school and etc etc so it may not be that easy but you might be able to get a bunch of very nostalgic people to plunk down their 99 cents or however much they're going to overcharge for things oh most of death yeah. Now is all is all that Spider-Ham but, stuff on unlimited? Like if you have a subscription, can you get it? I'm pretty No. I think some no. of it is though. Like it like the more recent stuff is 
but like the original books and like the uh, Marvel right. What the stuff, like that stuff is massively. You can't get out of the print. Marvel Tales T A I L S one shot from whenever that was. I don't think so. It like the Unlimited app has such a weird gap because it's like, oh, look at all these books that they've written, and then you'll find out like oh and here's 50 x-men like one shots or mini series that you've never heard of that aren't available on there or it's just like oh yeah we're aware of these but we're not are the, getting them are on. the marvel graphic novels on there like god loves man kills or death of captain marvel some of them okay. uh some of them are i'm now revealing myself to not have a marvel unlimited subscription <laughs> <laughs> eh, can't blame you i mean there's enough like new comics that are coming out that's like when I, do you have the time unless you're doing a yeah I, and i don't so i don't uh yeah do we want to briefly talk about picks which is your current series that's coming yeah out i'll right talk now. about picks uh, all day all the live long day uh it is it is a graphic novel series that is now being published by image comics uh there are two volumes out that was my email i apologize did that come through Oh, it didn't? That nope. ding didn't come through? Oh, great. Because you have headphones I guess on. so. I'm still quitting my mail program out of, out of panic. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Pix. Pix is my graphic novel series now published by Image Comics. It is a middle grade, which is younger readers, uh, targeted uh, book series about a teenage superhero who believes that she's a fairy princess and she might be, or she might be crazy. And uh, yeah, the first volume I self-published in 2014. Uh, now Image is doing it, and the second volume came out uh, just this past May. And I, I've picked up both of them because uh, we met at yes, Heroes Con. Thank you very much. This year, yes, where you also did your uh, your uh, impossible trivia challenge. I'm probably messing that's, up that's the name fine. of it. I call it Challenge of the Super Friends, but that was a particularly challenging version of it. So Impossible works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I messed up the uh, $10,000 pyramid, so... Because I could not remember uh, yeah, robot but you, characters. You, you, I mean, Randy, who was also giving clues in that game, uh, couldn't think of things Jughead would say. So, in the grand scheme, <laughs> I think you both had... Some some nice uh uh what what's face face palm uh goofball moments. For the like the things that you think would be super easy. I think what you messed up on is you said the word robot. Yeah, I was like, yeah. uh robot man. It's like So by by pyramid rules you cause... can't that yeah. Or basic game show rules you kinda can't get away with that. Yeah, it's like you think that SNL bit about the $10,000 pyramid bit is just like really dumb and annoying until you find yourself in that situation. It's like, yeah, oh, it's always God. easier on TV when you see a game show. Mm -hmm. Not when you have the uh, pressure of trying to get a uh, lead. Because I think everyone ended up going into that final match tied up as far as points. Yeah, and went. I was kind of not really keeping too much score until that last, that last game just because it was sort of silliness and nonsense for the most part it was all warm up to the big finale yes. but yes we met it at Heroes Con uh, where uh, yeah you were nice enough to buy my books and I thank you for that no problem 
Well, and I mean, the Chris Sims endorsement is usually a very good sign uh, of quality. Well, I, I appreciate that. I don't, I mean, it sometimes becomes a matter of taste, right? So, like, there was, without without specifically addressing, I've seen, I've seen a review calling out the Chris Sims endor- endorsement on pick specifically. So some people uh, don't like the endorsement or feel, or feel uh, hoodwinked. <laughs> well, you know, different uh, exactly. strokes. For, yeah, I mean, uh, what I, I try to point out that the book is, you know, it's a specific kind of book. It is, it is a younger reader book, which isn't to say it's childish, but it's not going to, it's not going to be, um, uh, oh, it's not Avengers Forever, certainly, in terms of its content. It's not yeah. uh, the, the Grant Morrison Batman stuff. It's not Batman R.I.P. It's it's pretty it's pretty classically it's, comics, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not even like Neo Gaiman's whatever. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know I'm I'm hopefully making a, a a fun and engaging comic book, but I don't think I'm rewriting the rules of how comics are done. I think I'm I'm making a comic for the the nine year old that I was, for the nine year olds and eleven year olds that are out there now. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's like a very fun all-ages book. And, I mean, if uh, readers do go and, like, check out your what-if issues, like, a lot of the comedy and, like, even though you didn't write them, it it feels the same as a lot of the comedy, especially in, like, the Impossible Man Infinity Gauntlet. And I think that's just the the style and spirit of comics pre, what, 2003? There's, you know, there's a Mm -hmm. different kind of comic that was happening. I don't know if 2003 is the right cutoff, but it feels like it might be. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's – and I, it's, I I hesitate to say it's old school because I don't think it is. I think it's just a specific a specific style of, of comic book, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. It's enthusiasms. It's enthusiasms. Yeah, enthusiasms. Cool. Enthusiasms. Stuff you can be right. excited about. So yes, uh, so yeah, Pix is out there. The first book is 128 pages. The second book is 200. And if you like uh, fun and entertaining comics, I encourage you to go to your store and get it because it's a it's a basically an image book is a self published book. So every sale counts. And I'll also give my endorsement. Hey, thanks. I no problem. It. You read both of them. Uh, I've not gotten to the second one oh. just because. It... Now look, you're reading. You're reading a lot of things. I'm not. This is not yeah. a. I'm not calling you out. <laughs> Don't worry. We did Heroes Reborn like two weeks back. Right. Yeah. Lots of poor, poor comic choices in the <laughs> um, multiversal queue and exiled camp. And that, and that's only because okay. So that you only read alternate universe stuff. So have you also gone through Mutant X? Has that been on your list? Oh, I, yeah, I read that, like, way, way back in the start. Devin got to skip that one because I had to buy all the issues from some guy on eBay. Ah, sure. Yeah, that was a weird one because it was like, oh, here are three, like, different parts of X-Men that we're going to base this entire universe around, and then it's just going to keep getting darker and stranger, and oh, now there's the Goblin Force. Yeah, Mutant X is, is the reason... Uh, Jay Ferber and I never did a follow-up to that last issue of What If. 
actually Mutant X and Avengers Forever, both in tandem, because we were pitching uh, a follow-up that we were going to call Secret Warriors, and uh, the word came down that there were too many alternate universe books happening at the time, because Mutant X was happening and Avengers Forever was was revving up. And would uh, Spider-Girl have been around that time as well? Uh, Spider-Girl existed, yes. Spider-Girl and I think the M2 universe might have already been in play. Yeah, you're right. So, so the Secret Warriors were a, a casualty of too many, too many uh, fake realities. And that's why we don't have a lot of uh, Mustang cosplayers running around these days. That is yeah. true, although I did, I've, I've seen a Crusader cosplayer, and it was one of the most exciting things that has happened to me uh, in comics. It was like seeing a celebrity. Like, this, this, right. this girl was walking by, I'm like, wait a minute, I know, I know who that is. And uh, I ran down and stopped her and then I think I freaked her out I'm like you, you, I designed what you're wearing <laughs> we took pictures it was fun but it was weird it was like I because I, that book came out what 99 something like that yeah and, yeah yeah and I saw this cosplayer in 2014 it was wild it was, huh. it was yeah it was, it was kind of awesome so it would be cool to see a Mustang it would be it's cool to see anybody cosplaying it's awesome like you really do feel like you've uh, achieved a certain thing. So if anybody wants to cosplay as anything I've ever designed, by all means, I'd be very excited to see it. Yeah, there's uh, Heroes International, the book that I wrote two issues of, and it's like uh, our publisher has like professional cosplayers going on. It's like, oh, hey, I wrote that character. Yeah. And then it's also like, oh, and I'm not writing that character, and I can't really be like, oh, you're my sweet, sweet comics child anymore because i have no idea what direction that is heading in yeah i guess it's different if you've written the character versus if you if you design the character yeah unless somebody goes and redesigns it but even so if they're wearing the costume that you designed it remains the costume that you design yeah yeah i'm sorry to hear that you don't know what's happening to your the babies you birthed hopefully somebody's taking good care of them yeah well, but that's the uh, comics business. Uh, it can be, yeah. More often than not, that is the comics business, for better or worse. Do-do-do. <laughs> so, there have been sort of like four generations of what if. There's like the original run, there was the uh, second run that you had your three issues in. Yep. Then there was like the weird shortened run where it was just like, oh, we're going to do these specific one shots and then there's now sort of a current era where it's like oh we've had or we have an event coming out let's make a bunch of what ifs so for that second generation that you were a part of what was the uh, process like for that in terms of how the stories were put together yeah and like uh teams and that sort of thing so it was really it i mean it was treated like just about any other comic book uh, or I guess it was an anthology series, really, because the creative teams would change every time. So I didn't edit the books. So I don't know all the specific mechanics of how it was put together, but I was in the office next door. So that is, I got a little bit of it. Basically, they would take pitches. It was a, it was really a great place for new talent to sort of get their, their feet wet and pitch stories and, and try some stuff out. So the editor would get pitches from people or work with writers on, on or approach writers about pitching to the series and then once there was a story in play the editor would go and find 
the creative team to do it. So the for issue 104, which was my first comic, I, I wasn't even the, in the office. I just know that it was the writer's first Marvel work and it was my first Marvel or professional work at all. Uh, and I think it was just based on pitches. I got my job based on samples. I sent in a five-page penciling sample. Uh, I had been an intern the summer before, so I think at the very least my name was one people recognized. But yeah, that was just getting a phone call saying, hey, would you be interested in drawing this issue of what if? And I said, yeah, of course I would. Like, that, that's the whole point of what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, at the time, that would have been 1997. I was faxed a copy of of the plot outline. And then you know, we didn't have, I mean, we had email, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you weren't sending attachments really. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that was that. And then when I was at Marvel, uh, following the similar process it was a case of you know for i was looking to do freelance work on the side while i was being an assistant editor because i wanted to draw comics and the editor at that point was a guy named frank pitterese the first editor that i worked with was kelly corvisi and then he left frank pitterese took over and i used to just have drawings around and i would draw and i would talk to other folks and then he offered me he gave me a option of what if number 112 or 113 and I'm like I'll do whichever one you want me to do I'm not going to be picky about it so he gave me 113 uh, turns out I finished drawing 113 before the guy finished 112 he gave me 113 because he wanted to give me time because I was working at you know a day job uh, and as it turns out issue 112 was written by Brian K. Vaughn I think it was his first Marvel work starring Kazar Issue 113, the one I did, was written by Chris Duffy, who's now my editor on SpongeBob Comics. And I then ended up doing 114 by a bit of happenstance, so I ended up closing out the series. And the way 114 happened was uh, I'd read the initial story pitch from Jay Ferber, that it was you know, the, the Secret Wars and the kids of the Secret Wars, and I just thought that was very cool. And on my own, without being asked, I just started designing characters. And I would bring those into the office and say, hey, look, I designed Crusader. Hey, look, I designed Mustang. I would just drop those off for funsies. Uh, the whole time, Frank, the editor, was trying to find an artist to draw it. And he th I can't remember how many people he contacted, but he was reaching out to people. And then he got so used to seeing my character designs, he said, you know what? Do you, do you just want to draw this thing? And I said, of course I do. <laughs> so that's how that one happened but I know at one point there was there was some kind of it wasn't a rule but there was this effort that I think every third or fifth issue dealt with an X-Men storyline or involved some of the X-Men because at the time the X-Men were the X-Men the X-Men in the 90s yep. oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know that that was something that was a, a concern might be the wrong word but an active concern yeah concern's the right word that's what I meant uh, so I know that was part of the decision-making process, more so just to keep the book selling. Because, you know, a book like that, even in the 90s, would have been, you know, I probably wrote a lot of waves in terms of what's it even about. Why would anybody want to write a story about, I don't know, pick a character nobody would have cared about in the 90s. Quasar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All due respect to Quasar. One thing, one thing I've learned is every character is somebody's favorite character. Oh, very true. Yeah. 
So when I when I tried to write a Star Fox one shot and then purposely put out fake information about what it was about, people got very upset about what I was going to do to Star Fox. <laughs> what were you going to do to Star Fox? So I, I have there's a whole thing on this on on my website if people want to read the 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 longer story. But basically, I had pitched a a humor one shot called Star Fox's Swing and Spring Break Super Special. <laughs> <laughs> and the the premise was that Thanos, who's you know constantly trying to win the hand of death, realizes that all his schemes haven't worked. But he's got this brother, uh, Eros, who's really good with with ladies. So he's like, Eros, how do you do it? Like, teach me what you like. How what are your? How are you able to basically impress so many women? And he's like, Well, I got these powers, so I'm cheating. But let's go down to Earth, and I'll introduce you to some people. And we'll give you some lessons. So it basically becomes this uh, Thanos learning how to talk to women one shot with all the the ladies men of the Marvel Universe. You get Human Torch, Tony Stark. Gambit? Uh, I think, I can't remember if Gambit was in there. He might have been. Yeah, he was. Gambit, uh, a bunch of of folks. Beast. uh, And they sort of, and it becomes just, just silliness. But knowing at the time that nobody in a million years would have ordered that book, based on those on that, again, in 1998-99, the first person that interviewed me, I told them that I was basically going to make Star Fox into the Marvel Universe's Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) (laughs) Because how do you fight a villain who can convince you he doesn't need to be fought? Like, if he can just appeal to your pleasure senses and make you think he's done nothing wrong, he's unbeatable. And uh, yeah, that didn't that didn't sit well with a lot of people. People were very <laughs> mad at what I was at what I was going to do to Star Fox. Meanwhile, I'd been working on the Avengers as an assistant editor for a while, and nobody ever asked about Star Fox. I thought he I thought he was going to be you know fair game. He wasn't. Well, and I guess that would have been before the uh, She Hulk run, where it was like, yes. oh yeah, no, he's getting accused of a uh, rape, essentially. Yeah, it was well before the She Hulk run. Uh, yeah, this would have been, I think I pitched it, I must have pitched it in 90, yeah, it was in 99, because <laughs> I used it as, as cover for why I left Marvel. I left Marvel to, to do work, to go work over at Nickelodeon, but in the interviews I talked about how working on that book was a, a conflict of interest, and because of it I had to leave my position. It was a whole, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of salesmanship that didn't pay off, because as I was drawing page six, word came down that the book was canceled. So it was approved, and then it was not approved. That is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been a whole different course of my career, that's for sure. I was going to say, I would have read that book. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, my, my big marketing plan, because I knew nobody would care, would be in every interview to present a different story. So the first interview was, I'm making him a villain. The second one would have been something else entirely different. And it would just be like, what is this book about? <laughs> But never actually revealing that, you know. So then people would get it and say, wait, this is what it's about? And then it would have been too late because they would have ordered it. Oh. But I didn't get to do my little my little scheme after God all. God bless the direct market. Yeah. But the, the you can actually read the entire uh, plot and see uh, those six pages are all up on, on my website. HatterEntertainment.com. You can also see well. the original uh, Spider-Ham pitch that netted the X-Babies miniseries. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Star Fox is one of those characters who 
I don't think we're ever seeing that dude in uh, Marvel movies. I mean, they, I'm sure they fi- they could figure something. I'm sure he can show up in a Guardians movie. And it pro- probably is like a jokey character. Yeah, or just you know a creep or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. any character can be a lot of things, depending on how you interpret. You know, obviously Star Fox was never a a creeper, uh, rapist until that She-Hulk run. And then I I had him as just a a guy taking advantage of his powers, which is creepy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But not you know it's not like yeah it's creepy. There's no other way. there's no <laughs> other way to spin it. The She-Hulk run basically just caused everyone to like rethink everything that had been happening. Sure. Yeah. 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 Which Over is which makes sense. I mean you know mm-hmm. if unless you want to believe that as a superhero he wasn't taking advantage. I never I didn't oh, read yeah. those issues so I don't know how it all. Uh, landed uh, part of it was like a hydra conspiracy to uh discredit the avengers i think and then but like did it he, was there basically a thing saying like i didn't do these things i know it seems like i could but i i didn't and then they reveal that he's not a monster uh it was still pretty questionable, and then he got accused of making Thanos fall in love with killing people in Space Court. See, that might be—I feel like that might be a, a bridge too far. Like, keep him heroic. Like, make it so that in the end he's vindicated. Like, you can raise the question, but when it's all said and oh. done, well, and then it turned out that that Thanos turned out to be a robot Thanos, and it was all a massive plot to distract the uh, other. Space Titans. Sure, comics, everyone. Oh, comics, everyone. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It has been a while since I've touched the uh, She-Hulk run. Well, yeah, like why would you, right? Because it's not a multiverse, so you kind of almost are, are verboten from touching it. <laughs> you're, you're strictly uh, multiversal. Well, there is the uh, Universe A and Universe B stuff that goes on there, but that's a whole another bunch of issues. Now, not to, not to flip the, uh, the the interviewing tables, but do you guys cover yeah. the the Marvel DC crossovers or any of that stuff? Does that fall under the purview of Multiversal? Uh, yeah, we've tackled Amalgam. Okay, sure, well, Amalgam's great. And yeah, and the uh, Access series that came after that. Sure. The the very bad one, and then the very good one. So I'm guessing the bad one is uh, all access, and the good one is ultimate access. Uh, unlimited access. Unlimited access. Yeah. Yeah, because unlimited access has the uh, part where the evil gods of apocalypse get merged together with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Uh, I remember unlimited access because I think that was happening right when I started at Marvel. That was my one of the earlier things that was going on because I, yeah. That's that's it's that's the Pat Olaf one, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. I remember being. I asked about access years ago. Like, how do you? Can anybody use access? Because I was working on a on ideas for a sequel to X Babies, mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to take them to the Amalgam universe, <laughs> but I was told that uh, to use access, you need permission from both companies. He wasn't just like a free-for-all character you could just use to to play with. So, anybody looking to use access, you need a lot of permissions. 
That's why you just come up with your uh, knockoff character, Excess. Sure. <laughs> and he's just this character who's a representative of the 90s and all the crossovers. That's pretty good. Had. That's not bad. I was going to say you, you just need a synonym for Access. Like, um, I don't know. Uh, entry. Yeah, Entry, Bathroom Pass. <laughs> uh, skeleton Key. <laughs> Whatever, you know, that that's another way to play it. Yeah, we should pitch it. Sure. Who are we pitching this to? I feel like... Actually, I feel like DC <laughs> would probably be more welcome to like some weird comedy stuff right now just because they're branching out, and I think Marvel's a bit like overly inundated with like funny book or like more humorous comics these or days. Or is the better play just to pitch it over at IDW since they're doing the, the Star Wars kids book and just be like, maybe they could just start doing funny Marvel books too. There we go. Or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> comics, well, then everybody. if they wanted to cross it over into DC, that'd be easier because DC seems to be much more willing to do the crossovers recently. Uh, if it involves Batman and the Ninja Turtles, sure. I guess the Shadow, mm -hmm. right? There's that Shadow one also. Well, then they yeah. did the uh, Gotham Academy with the Lumberjanes. That's right. That is true. And, and they've done the uh, Star Trek Green Lantern and the Planet of the Apes Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Now, you guys only do Marvel multiverse stuff, right? You haven't branched out. No. Oh, no, we do uh, we also, as well. Oh, you do? And we've tackled some other stuff as well. Like, like the it's... Star Trek one where they all have goatees? Uh, the Star Trek one where they cross over with Green Lantern. Oh, okay. I don't know much For about Alien. Star Trek. We did when we did when uh, Batman meets Alien. Sure. Yeah, and then when Batman and Superman meet Aliens versus Predator, that was an awful one. Yeah, it was. What about Superman Aliens? Uh, that one isn't on uh, Comicsology. Yeah. Weirdly, the artwork. The yeah. artwork on that one is so good. Yeah, part of it's like, can we get a legal copy of it? Can we get a easily accessible sure. copy of it? And, uh, yeah, comics. Yeah, Superman Aliens. I don't even remember the story at all, but it's Dan Jurgens inked by Kevin Nolan, and it looks so cool. Because Kevin Nolan. The, uh, yeah. Well, that first Batman Aliens one looks really, really good. Oh yeah. But then the second one gets very strange because you have like weird xenomorph hybrids of the Batman Rogues Gallery. Who drew that? Batman Aliens. I can't even remember it. I remember Batman Predator was Rodolfo DiMaggio, which I remember looking awesome. Uh, Batman Aliens was uh, Ron Mars. No, who drew uh, uh, Ron Mars on writer with Bernie Wrightson on Oh, pencils. sure. That makes sense. Yeah, the second one was like, oh yeah, we're going to have all these like hybrids of Batman villains. And it's like, and here's Poison Ivy. She's pretty much sexy lady, except she has alien arms. Because comics. Yeah. Sexy ladies. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we got some uh, questions in from our Twitter followers, so... You ready to answer some questions? If I can, and if I can't, I'll make answers up. That's the way that we do this game. Fantastic. Got a couple. Yeah, so first question is from our relatively frequent uh, question asker, Xavier Files. He asked, um, what are the essential elements of writing a great what-if story? Uh, so as somebody who has not written a what-if story, I will still say, uh, 
I was actually talking about what ifs recently, because that is, as it happens, August of 1997 is when I got my first job in comics on what if, and now it is August of 2017. So I'm now in 20-year territory from getting that job. Ooh. It's very exciting. Nice. Uh, so we're talking about what if. I think it was with Patrick Brower at Challengers. I think I was on their podcast. I think that was the one. If, if I'm getting it wrong, I apologize to whoever I was having the conversation with. But but they had brought up that what ifs were sort of a way of, at least Marvel what ifs, were a way of saying, for anybody that ever wanted to see a story play out differently, uh, be careful what you wish for. Because, you know, a, a lot of those ended really darkly. Like, people just were dying oh, yeah. and it was, you know, madness. So I think... I think a, a good what if story gives you a different outcome than the story you read, you know, and, and one that is still compelling and interesting and maybe either makes you appreciate the story the way it originally happened or, or just is memorable in its own right. Uh, so I liked I'm trying to think of ones I remember. I mean, I don't remember that I liked them, but I certainly remember them being like bananas crazy. Like there was one where the Venom symbiote just starts taking over everybody and like, I don't, don't think, we think we've that one. I think that's what it was. Or it yeah. takes over Thor or something. It takes over somebody. I just remember the cover was was a character in the foreground and people attacking it and it was clearly not being affected by anything. I would have to look at the covers. Hmm. I, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to do that right now. I should have looked it up in advance. But yes. I didn't know this question was coming. Um, so I, I think that and then it's a good what if story. I don't know. Something that's it's also nice if somebody does a what if that you maybe would have never thought of because originally what ifs would spin off of continuity events that's typically how it happened yeah uh but then every now and again there'd be one that sort of played with just reality in general there was one issue i think it was what if 100 that klaus jansen wrote and drew that was this very sort of twilight zoney one where i think like gambit has this pandora's box sort of thing and opens it up and it's full of Marvel comics and it's revealed that they're in a comic book. Is that sounding familiar? Uh, we haven't read that, but I've got it pulled up right now. Uh, yeah, Gambit Rogue and Mr. Sinister yeah. are in it. Yeah, it's like this, the big reveal is they open up, I think, if again, this is a long time ago, but obviously it, it left a mark. Uh, the big reveal is that they find, they're all, like he, Gambit finds out that they're all just characters in a comic book and messes with them. Like that's cool. It's sort of it's sort of the Twilight Zone, and I mean, is there any is there a better what if than the Twilight Zone? I don't know. Oh no. Well, I mean, currently our top one is what if J. Jonah Jameson adopted Spider Man, but <laughs> yeah, that is like my favorite. Thing. That's pretty good. But yeah. I'm just saying, like in terms of of what if storytelling, like the Twilight Zone is the best. Yeah, the uh, like big twist that would destroy everything. Yeah, what you know? What if uh, aliens lived down the block, or what if uh, a bunch of toys were stuck in a garbage can? What if there was a thing on the wing? I mean, every story is a what if story, isn't it? If you really sort of break it down, mm-hmm. what if a kid saw his parents murdered in the in an alley? Well, he'd become Batman or Harry Potter or Harry. Po- yeah, it's like <laughs> so. It's in some regards, every story is a what if story. Uh, it's kind of a premise I use. I do some school visits with, with picks, and and that's mm-hmm. 
where I start from. I start with making up stories by asking questions. Questions being, you start with a what if. So what if, uh, you know, in SpongeBob comics, what if Patrick became a werewolf? Or what if, uh, rather, Squidward became a werewolf? And that was a story I did for SpongeBob comics. So, you know, <laughs> it, I'd say almost any story is a what if, if you, uh, if you what if it right. So I guess what makes a good what if story is what makes a good story, period. That's fair. having a solid premise and often being more than just or being able to move beyond a simple joke because we've also covered like both of the joke what if specials which ones are, I, I, I can't remember uh they were they were like sort of anthology issues where it's just like everything sure. from single panel universes being created so we had like this big block of what if Obnoxia the Clown became Sherlock Holmes? Uh, what if Obnoxia the Clown became a bat-like hero? Down at the bottom of our list. Right. Is that the one where there's like, what if Daredevil was colorblind and things like goofy stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But like, the, what if um, Black Bolt had the hiccups? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That that's yeah. That that I I remember at one point trying to pitch a one shot called Fails to Astonish. That would have sim- been a similarly uh, goofy endeavor. Well, and they do those every once in a while. Like, there was a Who Won't Wield the Shield. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And, like, they they do them every once in a while. Uh, there was the uh, Secret Wars one that Jonathan Hickman also wrote. Right. Yeah, and then there was the Civil War one with Spider-Ham. That is another mm-hmm. reason why the Spider-Ham thing we pitched never happened, because... That didn't do very well. The people just want that spider ham action. Yeah, but I feel like there's there's a there's a not to say a right way and a wrong way, but there's a there's a there's a version of spider ham people want. There's like a thing people want from spider ham. And I, I mean, not, I don't know that I know the answer, but I don't think that Civil War thing was it. No, probably not. But I never read it, so I don't know. He is a character who I feel like. By trying to make him show up in more mature comics, it sort of ruins what Spider-Ham is. Yeah, he's a cartoon character. But yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense to have him dealing with real-world events. It's like when they did the uh, AVX, like, Scotty Young comic, they didn't make it a super serious comic. because like, oh no, it's just a bunch of kids having a ridiculous over-the-top fight. You don't need, like actual kids dying in this you don't need kids dying but i do think you can do you can do a story with stakes so for instance uh you know you think of uncle scrooge comics those are also cartoon characters but the stakes are legit like they're doing a thing Mm -hmm. and and attempting something uh for them that is intense the example i always bring up is wizard of oz which the stakes on the wizard of oz are you know this girl's trying to get home and the wicked witch is genuinely threatening and bad news and then she's defeated with water which you know to anybody else is just water but in the reality of the wizard of oz that's that's a real threat it's a real weapon uh and Mm -hmm. the reality of that story allows all those things to matter and have stakes and i think you can do that with funny animals or or any other character you just have to build the stakes have to be built in there were a lot of years where Green Lantern's weakness was the color yellow, and that was, and that's yeah. how it worked. <laughs> and you know, 
you accepted that because that was the reality you were given. Like, yeah, that's how it works. And if you keep playing to that reality, you can you can play with those toys for a really long time. You don't have to break all the toys. Most definitely. His weakness still led to one of my favorite like little pages, which was Batman painting an entire room yellow, himself yellow, and then making like a, a giant pitcher full of lemonade. That was in uh, that was All Star Batman, right? I think so. All yeah. Star Batman and Robin. Yeah, All Star Batman and Robin. Yeah, I remember reading yeah, about that. I'm like, that's cool. It's a neat bit of business. And yeah, that's one of those things where it's like that had good ideas and then it also had very bad ideas and then it never got done. Oh, sure. Again, I never read it, so I can't speak to it specifically. I just I I I tend to and again, this might be age speaking more than anything else, but I think it's 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 too easy to throw out uh the what is it, baby with the bathwater? Yeah. And yeah. say like, you know, these are silly characters so you you can't do serious things with them and these are serious characters you can't do silly things with them like you can we're, we're making the stuff up it can be what we make it up yeah. to be you just have to know how to tell what you want to tell yeah i mean i was just listening to another podcast where we're talking about dr light and what happened with dr light in in, in uh, identity crisis and how yeah. by doing that you basically have, you you broke it like you broke it <laughs> And the second you break something to that degree, like you break it and you sort of open up the floodgates to break everything. And that's that's in in an effort to make these things, you know, serious and, and realistic, you can you can do a lot of damage. Because oh, it yeah. opens that door. It's it's letting that vampire in and then the vampire decides, Well, if you can do that, watch this. Which I think is another fun thing about what ifs, is you got to do those things without breaking everything yeah yeah it's madness without consequences which is the best way to do it i mean the second again i haven't read it so i could be way off but like once you escalate the joker to the point where he's ripping off his own face and doing like like what is this comic anymore well and then they just had to try and like move up to make that even more ridiculous where it's like oh no there's not one Joker. There's actually three Jokers. That's the Joker's secret identity. Yeah, it's 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 insanity, um, and and I I get it. It's the audience and all these other things factor into why those things happen. But you know, people still talk about the Laughing Fish as as a definitive Joker story. And that was so much tamer <laughs> yeah. than than any of this other insanity. But I'm sure if Chris Sims listens to this. He's yelling at me because I don't get it. And, um, Sims doesn't listen okay. to this. Well, if he does, I'm sure he's mad at my opinions about Joker. Well, it's also a canonical fact in our podcast that Chris Sims and Devin can never show up at the same place, which has led to the theory that Devin is Chris Sims or Chris Sims is Devin. I mean, I have no, re- I have no reason not to believe that, except for their voices are completely different, but... Have you heard Chris Sims' Bonzo impression? I don't think I have. He can do a good impression. Oh, and I lost the Bonzo buttons up in my uh, Zencaster controls. Oh <laughs> we'll never know. The world will never know. It's like how many licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop. Uh, and then I think we had one. We have time for one more question. Luckily, we only have one more good question. Okay. It's true. <laughs> um, are there any what ifs that you think are better than the source material? And that was from Michael B., who is yes. at Not Really Robot. Uh, I would have to... 
I mean, it's been so long since I've read what if stories. So I, I, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. I would say, hmm, let me think. Let me think. As you know, it's funny. I was never a huge Silver Surfer guy. I was never a huge Iron Man or Doctor Strange guy. So I'd almost say the the ones I did obviously were better than the source material. I mean, <laughs> why not? I'm trying to think of ones I remember that were. I remember reading, like, what if the beast continued to mutate, and that one gets sad. Yeah, because yeah, that one also had the what if the thing yeah. continued to mutate. Yeah, those. And that was yeah, yeah, they were depressing. So I don't know that those were better. Uh, I can't even remember how the Evolutionary War one went. I think everybody just dies because that seems to be how they all went. Yeah, I don't know that any of them were because in the end, they just and in in most cases, a lot of people just end up dying. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I ever read the the Jane Foster Thor one. Uh, I don't think I ever read. I would have probably picked up... Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. And I said I'd make up an answer. Let me make up an answer. Alright, this is going to be a real self-serving one. So when I was at Marvel, we used to take these... We had these assistant editor classes. Where mm -hmm. once a week, we would go into a room and... It was either with Mark Wade or Chris Claremont. And we'd basically discuss comics. And one of the assignments we were given was... We had to choose Avengers or X-Men and then write up a six-issue to one-year proposal. Like pick a team and then write a, a proposal for what the series would be about. So the thing I ended up writing, I almost pitched to as a what-if, but then what-if was canceled. But it basically involved... It wasn't even based on any source material, so it's kind of cheating the question. But it involved a rift within the Avengers between Captain America and Hawkeye that leads to a... a internal battle between all the Avengers where they are choosing sides so I'm going to say that my version was better than Civil War <laughs> uh, so there that's my answer to that and you can actually read about that also on uh, on my website all the stuff that never never flew I post to my website because where else can it go and just think you could have had a multi-billion dollar film being made out I of know you, right <laughs> Mm -hmm. <sighs> My goodness. I, I I don't know, Devin, do you have one that comes to mind? That's also a tough one. I'd probably go with the uh, what if Galactus became human? Because that one has him no longer being Galactus and instead he's an Elvis impersonator. Is that really how that ends? That's yes. insane. Yeah. That's It's, it's insanely <laughs> delightful. Yeah, uh, Thanos uses the Infinity Gauntlet to turn him human. He ends up in a trailer park. He looks like Elvis, and he's found by a woman who is, who believes him to be Elvis. So she trains him back up, and he briefly develops an eating habit. Adam Warlock ends up regaining the gauntlet and gives him the option, and he decides that no, he just wants to be fully human, for the rest of his life. And so it's that's how their version of the Infinity Gauntlet ended, I believe. So is every version. Of the Infinity Gauntlet, just a, a, a comedy story? Because the one I did, I mean, you'll, you'll review it in your next episode, but the Silver Surfer Impossible one is not... It also takes a very different tack on on that story. Huh. Interesting. I guess the Infinity Gauntlet's pretty great mm -hmm. as, a, as its own story. Though there's also, like, the really good one that uh, Brian Clevenger wrote. 
in the uh, Marvel Adventures Infinity Gauntlet. Where have you ever read that? I don't that think one? I have. It has a uh, uh, US one uh, Ulysses Solomon Archer, the space sure. trucker, showing up, and he's the way that they get from Earth to uh, Thanos. Okay. And uh, it's Doctor Doom is also there. Uh, they stop at a space diner, and uh, Doom is forced to make sandwiches. There are space pirates who are actual like pirates, acceptance or no, it's space Zeppelin pirates. Okay, and this it, it and this is, is just a fun space. telling of it, or this is a what if? It's just a fun telling of it. Uh, it's the how it happened in the right. Marvel Adventures so it's, universe. It's a fun, a fun ver like sort of like they did a. It wasn't Marvel Adventures, but it was a, a different version of of uh, the Armor Wars. Right. Yeah, or like they did the uh, Korvac right. saga. Or they did the Secret Wars, which, from Spider-Man's mm-hmm. point of view, which was like, all right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that weird uh, Paul Tobin yeah. series. Yeah, I, I remember reading that, and I had no idea what Secret Wars was at the time. It's like, oh. Uh, so, okay, okay, then how, sure. does, how, do, how do you even take that in? If you don't know what Secret Wars is, what is that series like as a reader? It made very little sense. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, uh, these are events that are happening. Uh, okay, I guess something's happened. Spider-Man's fighting with these guys now. Next issue, Spider-Man's trying to protect this town. It, I remember very little. So it never it. quite sets up like that he's been sent to this other world and there's other heroes there. and It's just super narrow focused on... That's interesting. Yeah. Well, the same thing even happened when I was reading the Deadpool one they did for um, the newer version of Secret Wars, the Deadpool Secret Secret Wars. I had no idea what was going on throughout the entirety of that run. Come on. See, that's when I'm I'm like, come on, comics writers, get it together. Some people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, though, I mean, like, half of my whole shtick is referencing weird bits of continuity that nobody understands but i've been working on finding ways where it's not necessarily important but if you need it you can look it up there, and that's it there's podcast. that and then if, if you know you can make references to stuff but it has to be either so subtle that it doesn't matter that you don't know it or you have to give the reader the information they need so that they can get it if they don't know what you're talking about yeah, the uh, Valiant High, that was one of the non-Marvel DC ones that we did, did a very good job of that. Because that was like, oh yeah, we'll make a reference to uh, the weird dinosaur comic that they had, and that's going to be the names of these two lizards, but you don't really need to know about that. Right. To Yeah, I mean, I, this is a conversation I've had with my friend Chris Jeruso, who does G-Man books and did the mini-Marvel stuff at Marvel. He'd write these joke comics... And it's like, you know, he had to set up the premise in the joke in the event that somebody reading it didn't know the, the, the thing he was riffing on. Because if you don't know what the joke is about, you don't get the joke. So there's a certain amount of information you have to give the reader so that the payoff pays off. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of those things with like any comics. Like once you've read at least two or three comics... You're already at a level where if you're trying to talk about these with anybody who's never touched a comic, you're already like 20 steps ahead of them and you have to figure out how to explain. Because it's like, oh, this graphic novel and you're going to lose half of your people there. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and, and then this this will make me sound like an old man, but there there was a time where the approach was every comic is somebody's first, and that's why you'd get the things that people complain about, which is the the Wolverine uh, text caption box saying I'm the best there is at what I do, blah blah blah. But that was good. If you had never read an X Men comic and you picked this thing up, within five lines you know who Wolverine is. Like it it tells you, it shows you right there. Yeah. And I feel like the happy medium with that is doing the recap pages at the uh, like starts of single issues, because then you can cut those out when it gets to the trade, and you just need the ones for that first recap one. pages work. Um, I always liked the way Mark Wade uh, was writing the Flash or on the first page. It's just my name is Wally West, I'm the fastest man alive. Like it just bring you up to speed very quickly. And if you're reading mm-hmm. a collection of monthly comics, you just process that in your brain. Like okay, this is these are comics that came out monthly. You can get over it. It's not that hard to read these things. Like the only, the only hard part is when it is so long and so confusing, or when things are unclear and it's like I really wish I. Well, had sure. Yeah. I mean that so that, know what was that that's a, that's a different kind of failure then. But I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, Marvel even used to always do, like, if they would make a reference, they'd have, like, a little small little caption box at the bottom, like, to understand this, see sure. this issue, which they don't really do anymore. Well, yeah, there's a lot of assumptions on what people are going to do, that they're just going to go look it up on their own. and Yeah. I'm an old man. But, like, finding out how to do that's also weird, because they tried to do it where it's like, you can go to the Marvel website and, uh, like, read their Wikia page. And it's like, oh, I guess that works. And then it's like, oh, now we're going to do this thing where you need the app to scan it in and you might get important continuity or you might get Matt Fraction singing a song. That happened? That's a real thing? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was the Marvel AR app they tried doing for like a year. What song did he sing? I do not... I, I never actually... Or no, I tried to use it once on Age of Ultron... And the app kept crashing, and then I didn't have a good enough internet connection to watch the video. But I, I had uh, friends who did it. Uh... I mean, I'm get- I never saw Fraction singing. A lot of the times, it was like you could see like the artist like sketching out the page before it actually became the final one, which was kind of cool. But I don't know why Marvel went through like such trouble to do that. To get your to to I don't know. I don't know. That was after my time. I left Marvel in 2000, so it was a while ago. Things have changed. Comics are weird. Mm-hmm. Comics are weird, but comics are also, when they're great, they're great. I oh, mean, you guys absolutely. you guys take a very specific uh, approach. to You, like, are, pick the... Not that regular continuity is any less convoluted at this point, but you guys, like, are specifically hunting down things that are particularly... Uh, dense <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you you almost uh, are being hoisted on your own petard to use that expression yeah uh we i wanted to be like oh yeah we're going to explain all of these things that show up in the exiles before uh we cover them in the exiles which worked out really well for like the first 60 or so issues because it's like oh we have a few weeks between exiles episodes so we can cover the Squadron Supreme there, or we can cover some other universe that's going to come up, and then it's like, oh, and now we're at the World Tour where it's going to cover all of the major universes, so it's like, oh, here's New Universe, here's Marvel 2099, it's like, 
This was a mistake. Or it was the smartest thing you could do because you'll never run out of content. Oh, yes. That's true. Always be something. Like I do uh, a podcast about Tom Cruise movies, and you know we're just waiting for the next Tom Cruise movie because there's only so many of them. You know, so the show's on hiatus until there's a new movie to talk about. <laughs> I did see that you did that, and I do love Tom Cruise. Uh, I'm gonna have to yeah, close. by all means, it is, uh, it is, it is pretty idiotic, in all the best ways. <laughs> Welcome to the world of pretty much, right? Yeah, comics are great and horrible, and comics are the greatest representation of humanity because anybody can make them. Uh, yeah, but anybody can make a painting too. So then. How is it? Then what? Anybody can make a yeah, sandwich. You can do. <laughs> I got you there. I got you on sandwich logic, my man. Damn it! What if Wolverine was a sandwich? What if Wolverine was a sandwich? What would be on your Wolver? Yeah, what would be your Wolverine sandwich? Wolverine sandwich would be uh, Canadian bacon, and then probably like like ridged potato chips. Yeah, 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 like cheddar. rich potato chips and sharp cheddar. So you like, actually, no, it'd be, it would be, here it is. <laughs> like, I got it. Canadian bacon, sharp cheddar, uh, on, let's see, it would be a slider, it would be small. And they would have Captain Crunch on it, because I would cut up the roof of your mouth. <laughs> There's my Wolverine sandwich. I think you've just done a good job of killing this podcast, and now we're just going to talk about sandwiches based on comics. It's not bad, right? It's not a bad. No. That's a whole new. That's a whole new podcast. <laughs> sandwich uh, panel sandwich. <laughs> or that might not be the best name for it, but there's there's something to no, that but... as a concept. That will be the uh, next premise that we come up with, uh, or that will be the next podcast we come up with after "Oops All Anime." Oops All Anime. I don't know if I don't know Oops if I get that anime. one. Uh, oh, you say like like is that it, is that a reference to the the all uh, crunch berries? Okay. Yeah. Uh, on uh, the other podcast that we do, yep. Exiled, we've gotten into weird anime discussions ah. every now and then and so it's like you know what might as well do one and oops all anime is a good podcast it's not bad title. it's not bad i don't know much about anime so maybe i'm just off off kilter on that anyway but see that's the great thing because it's people who don't necessarily know a lot about anime trying to learn more as opposed to the i don't want to say we're expert levels of comics continuity but as opposed to the initial fan or people who know more than they should. I'm, I'm I'm certain you know you're better at comics continuity than I am. You guys have read Avengers forever. <laughs> <laughs> I I I only I only worked on it. <laughs> Every now and again I think about. I've also never read Crisis all the way through, the original. Crisis oh, on Infinite Earths. I always think about reading it, and then I get like six pages in. I'm like, I don't want to read this. Yeah, that's one of those things. Uh, that's what Secret Wars that... is for me. Really? I started Secret Wars, I would say, like three or four times and just never made it through. 
Yeah, it. I've made it through once or twice. I've read the uh, role-playing game book on it much more often. I, I do like Secret Wars I like because Secret Wars to me is, is, is still like a, it's like a cartoon. Like the characters are just being superheroes and being superhero-y. And it's 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 like you know action figures on a on a comic book page. It's less it's mm-hmm. less I don't know something about there's a density to Crisis. Oh yeah, like Crisis is this is all like super important continuity, and Secret Wars is just like oh yeah, watch the best guys yeah. and the worst guys fight. Yeah, Secret Wars is like the the cartoon challenge of the Super Friends, but with Marvel characters. It's great. They're all just. It, fighting it, each other it it took me a while to get into secret wars like i gave it one or two tries before but secret wars 2 i have read a few times and that book just because of how weirdly baffling it is and how much it disrupts the marvel universe i have a weird yeah all right I'm, I'm getting a beat on on where you're coming from i I'm, i get it now i've never read secret wars 2 because from everything i've ever heard it's the worst Oh no! It, it's some hot garbage. It's not although there is good. a reference. Spider-Man teaches the beyond. There is a reference to uh, mm-hmm. Secret Wars two in uh, What If number one hundred four, which you will be discussing next week. Yeah. Yes. I'll have to listen to it. I'll have to see where where I rank, where my my other contribution ranks. Well, I mean, we are a highly valued uh, position. You can put that. Uh... Ranking of our trials of the multiverse on my course. resume. Next time I pitch, yeah, next yeah. time I pitch a Put story, I'm like, by the way, these past things I've worked on have ranked in the following places. <laughs> That'd be great. Yes. I think that'll do it. Now, now, mm-hmm. does something like X Babies that that doesn't get a multiverse thing, right? Or does it? Uh, so the X Babies come from the Mojo verse, which okay. is ranked Got on it. the list. But the Mojoverse is so weird because there's only supposed to be one, but then it shows up in different other universes at different other points in time. Right. And then they did bring back Planet Terry in an issue of Drax, but he's a drastically different Planet Terry then. Yeah, it's gr- it's gruff bounty hunter Planet Terry. Yep. That is true. Here's another fun story about X Babies, and then and then I know everybody has to go wherever they have to go. Uh, when I was writing it. We, we use the star characters and then we introduce so you finished it right the X-Babies All right, yes. then we introduce the, the real versions of those X-Babies uh, or those star characters and at the time I'm like maybe we should make Planet Terry a girl T-E-R-R-I and for whatever reason mm-hmm. we didn't do it I ruined the story I told the story wrong I apologize but basically the, the story goes <laughs> the other day I was thinking about them and I emailed Jacob and I said hey we should have made Planet Terry a girl and then he sent me a quote from an email from nineteen or from two thousand nine or two thousand eight, where I was saying the exact same thing. So clearly, it's an idea I've not been able to let go. Well, at least you made Royal Roy and not yes. just a white dude. Yeah, yeah. I like that Royal Roy. I would actually want to read that series. I want that, and I I love Top Dog. Top Dog was the one I really wanted to do more with. Well, I, I want to see more of Wally the Wizard just because that's such a weird concept. Uh, is it, though? It's a kid wizard. That's pretty popular. That's a pretty well-trod concept yeah, at it, this point. But he's not in a 
wizarding no, school. No, he's not. He's just like... But he's got yeah. that so, not Merlin guy helping him out. <laughs> Merlin? Yeah. Oh, so bad. Yeah. I mean, Wally the Wizard maybe may have, like, slid into my plans for Exiled, so... No. The, which one? The original one or the or the our revamped version? Or maybe a revamp of the revamp. Oh. Yeah. So not not a Surf City uh Wally. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I'll allow it. I have no ownership over these things. <laughs> Derivative works, <laughs> my friend. Nobody nobody uh if if and when they ever do something with these characters, nobody's going to come to me and say, Hey, we're gonna do this thing. So have fun with it, my man. <laughs> <laughs> well this is, have at it this has been a uh delightful uh interview greg yeah uh where can people find you online the people can find me online uh at my main website hatterentertainment.com h-a-t-t-e-r entertainment.com uh, and that will link to all the other stuff whether uh it's the podcast cruising together which is on that website or my other podcast stuff said which is at stuffsaidshow.com uh pick stuff is from there you can go to pixcomic.com p-i-x-c-o-m-i-c.com and that's where you can uh read the first chapters of the book of both books for free and see other artwork and goodies there's a, a scavenger hunt happening right now through september 15th where there's a bunch of easter eggs in the second volume and if you find those Easter eggs, whoever finds the most wins a piece of art from me. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at my name, G-R-E-G-G-S-C-H-I-G-I-E-L. Is that everything? Did I cover everything? I think you I covered think so. everything. And you can see my drawing of Darth Venom on your guys' website. Yeah. Uh, I'll make sure to put in links to uh, everything that we've talked about. <laughs> I can link in the uh, show notes. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, you can go to our website, multiversalq.com, and check out our other stuff. It's uh, pretty easy to sort through. We have our Trials of the Multiverse list, which is where we rank every universe from best to worst. The best currently being uh, the What If J. Jonah Jameson Adopted Spider-Man, and I believe our worst is still... Spidey Baby. Yeah, still Spidey Baby. I don't even know what that is, but I hear it in the tune of Santa Baby, and it sounds terrible. <laughs> Spider-Man and Mary Jane had a child, but it's pretty much an anthropomorphic spider. Oh, okay. It, so it's not a, it's not a. Mag, was it? What was a Spider Girl's name? Um, uh, Mayday. Mayday. Yeah. That's it. I was saying, I was thinking Magpie. I'm like, that's not it at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right. May. That makes sense. Aunt May. Doi. Yeah, no, Spidey Baby is nightmare fuel. Spidey Baby is such a... That's, the name is hilarious, but it just makes me think of that horrible song. <laughs> Spidey Baby, he's going yeah, to yeah. watch your dreams tonight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Look at that. Now, is this the first time you've ever sung on the show? Did I inspire that? Or do you do this oh, often? Luke. That's a singing machine. <laughs> oh, okay. The episodes I've listened to, I haven't heard you sing, so... You know, every once in a while, I, I just put in a uh, link to an image of Spidey Baby. Okay. I'm going to have to look up Spidey Baby. Or I'll check, you know what? I'll check the show notes once this posts. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, 
yeah, we also have our spinoff podcast, which has been mentioned multiple times, which is Exod, which is a live play uh, role-playing game podcast. Uh, so if you like the Exiles comic, it's sort of that, except weirder bits of continuity, like we had What If Cable was actually introduced into Alpha Flight instead of uh, X, instead of uh, the New Mutants. Hmm. How about that? Yes. Um, and uh, we also have a Patreon that you can donate to where you get things like bonus content, early episodes of uh, Exiled, and other bits of show stuff. Devin, where can people find you online? You can find me online at Fred Ofet. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online at, at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Uh, or you can visit my much-needed... Uh, er, and you can visit my much-ignored portfolio site, which is LukeHairLukeHairLukeHair.com, which is actually going to be getting updates soon. I know I keep saying that, but this time it'll probably take. <laughs> Comics. Uh, so yeah, next week our plan is we're going to be tackling Iron Man Viva Las Vegas, as well as, Greg, the uh, last What If issue that you've done that we have not covered, which is also the first issue that you penciled for Marvel. Yeah, that's true. What If 104. Yes. So uh, thank you again for coming on the podcast, and we'll see you back next week. This one's for Hank. <laughs>